It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 95 all. Jazz don't call a timeout. Joe Johnson comes to the front court, gets a pick from Ingles. Seven seconds left, tie game. Joe Johnson working Jamal Crawford. Three seconds, two, one for the win. Yes! 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 Joe Johnson saves again! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 24th of October, company from Los Angeles. The Jazz get ready for the Clippers. We'll talk about money ball shots both offensively and defensively today. Then we'll look at the Jazz and some offensive numbers break down the Clippers a bit, plus look at some of the NBA actions. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So glad to be with you today. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. You can get it on your Android or your iTunes or any other device, including Google Home and Alexa. If you're having any problems with that, you should let me know. Thank you very much for tuning in uh, to today's show. We're going to go on a little exercise that I like to do. It's early in the year. All numbers are kind of skewy, but I think there's some that tell you kind of the philosophy of team and where they're coming from. And I like, I want to get to those, and we'll do that. And then we'll run down some things I really, really like about the Clippers. Uh, and we'll talk about some areas where the Jazz are standing right now just three games uh, into the season. So that's the plan. Today's show is brought to you by my good friend Blake Murdoch and Murdoch Hyundai over at 4646 South State Street, as well as the advocates there to help you out and support you in your times uh, of need, understanding the process by which uh, to help you out in those injury cases. Those are Utah's advocates. Um, Do I have any other programming note for you? Kevin Arnovitz scheduled coming up on Locked on NBA this week. I think that's about it. Um, I have my funny story for you, which I I'm, I really, I we stay in these unbelievable hotels. Totally insane. Incredible. Um, you know, I called it on Instagram, I call it the worst hotel night I've had. And then I remembered that this year I decided to price line out of Long Beach because I was flying out out of a podcast convention. And I ended up staying in a hotel where the, you could tell the windows had been, like, shimmied off because someone had broken in. So this is, like, this posh, unbelievable hotel. I, unfortunately, though, last night had the hotel room next to the elevator. Ding! 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 And you don't just hear your floor. You hear the two or three on either side. And right over the top of Wilshire Boulevard, which evidently is a little bit of a drag racing strip across Rodeo Drive. So um, it is the poshest, most elegant place I've ever stayed and still got me a little bit. So it's just kind of a funny experience. Hopefully you're laughing uh, at that. All right, here's the numbers thing I was checking this morning. It's early, but I really like it. So the concept here, and I actually was talking to Igor about this over lunch today, or over coffee this morning. So, so the concept here is not just so much money shots, and money shots are restricted area and threes. And by the way, the Rockets are taking an unbelievable... 84% of all of their shots this year are either in the restricted area or threes. And the Raptors, in their whole cultural reset, are now at 78%. Now, the next step of this that I like to look at is 
It's not now. That's a little misleading because that assumes that all restricted area, all corner threes, and all above the break threes are worth the same thing. It's not true. Restricted area is worth one point two right now in the league, one point two five points per shot attempt. Corner threes are worth one point one four points per shot attempt, and uh, above the break is one point oh three. So they're not at all equal. So I like to take the next step, which is that if an average player took every single one of your shots, what would be your expected points, right? So if you take 10 shots in the restricted area, your expected outcome would be that you got 12.5 points. If you took 10 shots from above the break three, you'd get 10.3 points. If you took 10 shots from the mid-range, you'd get 7.8 points. If you took 10 shots from corner threes, you would get 11.4. I don't know if that, it's so fast, I'm throwing so many numbers at you. But I, I do, so what I like here is, basically what I'm looking at is, if an average player took the shots you were taking, what are your expected points so far? And then the next thing I like to look at, by the way, is what your actual points are versus your expected points. So if we just started with points per shot, who's taking the best shots in the league? It's the Rockets. They're, they're at 1.07 points per shot, followed by the Raptors, followed by the Bucks because Giannis is getting the rim, followed by Miami, then followed by the Clippers, 1.05. Pelicans, Grizzlies were surprising everyone with a huge win last night, 1.05. Thunder, Nets, Cavaliers, and then the Jazz. And then then the Jazz come in, Quinn's system kicks in there. And one of the things that's interesting about Quinn's system is that we're taking, in the opening part of the season, 11.5% of our shots as corner threes. Toronto's at 119 that's the only team higher. Boston and is that Boston or Charlotte is at 11.4 and the Clipper and Miami's at 11.3 and that is certainly part of Spolstra's equation. So the Jazz, the league average is 7% of all shots are coming from the corner 3. And the Jazz are currently taking 11.5 of their shots corner 3. Only Toronto is higher. Interesting kind of move by Toronto. One note on Toronto that's worth keeping an eye on. Toronto is taking almost no shots in the paint non-restricted area. They're at 9%. The other team that's like that is the Thunder. They're almost taking none there as well. Uh, The biggest mid-range culprit right now teams taking are the Cavaliers, the Pacers, the Spurs, LaMarcus, the Hawks, not very good, and then the Wizards and the Kings are are at the highest. the, two, the five teams that are the worst in point per shot, so they're, they're really where they're shooting on the floor is hurting them. League average, by the way, is 1.02 points per shot. Is Orlando, Chicago, Denver, Washington, and Sacramento. So interesting to keep an eye on that. Sacramento, the worst. So, so I, I just like to look at that. So what that tells you is, like, our offensive system is getting good shots. Toronto's really changed their offensive system. Milwaukee's getting... <clears throat> to the rim at a incredible level because of Giannis. Um, Milwaukee's taking 40% of their shots at the rim. Here's an interesting note for tonight. The Clippers have taken 40% of their shots in the restricted area. 
Okay, just let you remember that. Now, let's go to defense. Defense right now, Denver is the best in the league at not allowing good points per shot. They're they're keeping you out. Uh, they're at .98, and we're second best at .99, then Detroit, and then the Clippers. So the Clippers are playing really, really smart basketball. The Clippers are not allowing the corner three. Remember a moment ago when I talked about the Jazz taking the huge amount? The Clippers have only allowed 4.9 of their opponent's shots. The corner three is one of the best in the league. Phoenix uh, is actually the best. That might just be because everything else is so easy. Why do you have to shoot a corner three against them? Uh, but that's, so again, so Utah now is the second best in the league. Here's what's also interesting. Our defense... Keeping people in the areas we're keeping and then forcing a lot of Teams are actually shot above average against us this year. That's the other one I like to look at. We'll look at it another time. Is, okay, now that I know who you are, where you are, who are the best shooting teams? In other words, which teams are above or below average? Utah this year is considerably above average offensively. Golden State is the most above average. It's a little disconcerting, and I'll get on this in a minute for us offensively, that we're above average. The team that is shooting the most above average in the league first is the Warriors. That That's just like, okay, they're good. Then is Orlando, then is Denver, and then is us. Fourth. Orlando and Utah should be concerned, I would say, because I don't think that's who we are. So anyway, on defense, we're only allowing 6.4% of shots to be corner threes. We're only allowing 24.7 shots in the restricted area. The league average is 32.2. So the defensive structure, just even personnel, our defense is incredible. But the defensive structure we're playing and what we're allowing for shots is the is the second best in the league behind Den- behind Denver right now. Cleveland should be concerned. They are just defying all money ball rules and doesn't make sense. The Knicks, Lakers, Grizzlies, Cavaliers, Pelicans are the worst in the league. Defensively, where they allow shots. Denver, Utah, Detroit, Clippers, and Hornets are the best. So I thought that was an interesting way to start. I don't know if that was too many numbers and and overwhelm you there. Um, But I do look at that. I think it tells you who has good structure. I think it tells you what's sustainable uh, or not. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Uh, I have been driving the Hyundai. I'm driving their hybrid Ionic. I've never seen another Ionic on the on the road. By the way, I, I would tell you that's that's a mistake. Uh, I really am impressed. But I have been blown away driving the Hyundai on what you get for your car. I drove the Santa Fe Sport, and with all of its safety features, and thought it was just first class. And when I first got in it, Blake told me a story about Robbie Bosco and how he was down shopping in Linden and looking at the Lexus but stopped by the Hyundai and then walking out with a Hyundai instead of a Lexus. And I'll be honest, when he first told me so I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, sure. I mean, I got it. You got to sell your car. I love it. I love the fact you love your – you know what? I totally get it now. Like, I'm on board 100% with that concept. You get more for the dollars and you save like 20000 bucks, and the car drives fabulously. That's – if you haven't put the Hyundai on your list of cars – to, whether it's the Sonata or the Launcher if you're looking for a sedan or the the Santa Fe if you're looking for an SUV uh, or the Ionic if you're looking for a hybrid, just put it on your list. I'm not telling you, just put it on your list. Go to 4646 South State Street and find out what Hyundai has to offer and how much value you can get 
uh, for your dollar as you're compare shopping. 4646 South State Street, Murdoch Hyundai. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, um... So, now taking the next le- step, I have a concern. I think early in the season, you look at teams and you have to say, okay, what's sustainable and what's not? And right now, the Utah Jazz rank third in the NBA in effective field goal percentage. Okay. Now, I just showed you a moment ago. That's why I looked this up. Well, where are we in shot location? Okay, we're pretty good. We're we're 11th best. We're taking the 11th best shots in the league. We take that corner three. We don't take a lot of above the break three. Houston takes 43% of their shots as above the break threes. It's an insane number. But if you look at just the way we're playing and what we're doing, we're taking 32% of our shots as threes, which is which is good. The league average to start the year is thirty-two point five. So we're a little bit. We're getting. We get good shots around the restricted area. Okay. Then the next question: Is there anything about our shooting that seems strange? And there is. We are shooting forty-eight point nine percent on mid-range shots right now, and the league average is thirty-nine. I, I don't think that's sustainable. The Rockets are at 56%. That's not sustainable. The Blazers are at 56%. That's not sustainable. That's going to drop. We are also shooting 42% in the paint non-restricted, which is a little high. We are shooting 52% on corner threes. League average is 38. Like, I don't think we can do that. Now, we're only 27% on above the break, so that should go up. But... Looking at just those shooting numbers, seems unlikely we can maintain the offensive pace we have right now, and we're the third best shooting team in the league. Here's where I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use, I'm very concerned. Okay, I don't think we can maintain ourselves as the third best shooting team in the league. And we're currently 26th in free throw rate, 27th in turnover rate, 28th 
in offensive rebounding rate. I, if we slip shooting at all, which I think is likely, all of a sudden we're in the bottom five in the three other four factors. There's four factors to an offense. They are not weighed equally, but they are how you shoot, whether you get to the line, whether you turn it over, and whether you get offensive rebounds. So we are currently third in the league in shooting, which is the most important. But as I just showed, I just don't think we can keep those numbers up. <clears throat> We're 26 in free throw rate, 27th in turnover rate, which probably gets a little bit better as we get to know each other a little bit. And I'm not too worried about it. And 28th in offensive rebounding rate, which is what's allowing us to get back in defense. But and and. And that's not, by the way, while we're making shots that aren't rebounds. That's offensive rebounding rate. So that's that's a little concerning. Uh, and I'll leave it just to that. The defensive numbers are interesting because I actually almost might say the opposite. We're the 12th best team against the shot. Played some really good offensive teams. We're the 11th best team at free throw rate. We're forcing the second most amount of turnovers in the NBA, which is interesting because we were 25th a year ago. And we're the seventh best defensive rebounding team. Those, to me, coupled with what we talked about before, that we're getting teams to shoot in the right spots, says to me that's sustainable. And if you look, let's dig into our numbers a little bit. Is anyone doing anything funky? Restricted rate shooting against us is at 60%. You know what? We have Rudy in the league average of 62. That's about where it's going to be. In the paint, non-restricted areas at 34%. You know what? We have Rudy. That's about where it's going to be. Teams are shooting mid-range at 43%. That's actually not sustainable. Teams are going to slip on the mid-range, though we allowed teams into mid-range shots. They shot a little above average last year. Corner threes, they've only gotten 15 corner threes against us in three games. And they're shooting 33%. This is why I couldn't sleep last night. If you can hear that in the background. By the way, the Clippers... In two games this year, um, have only taken 4% of their shots as a corner three, and we don't allow them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Um, and then above the break threes, teams are shooting 39%. League average is 34 So I actually would argue that that 12th ranking effective field goal percentage should probably get a little bit better defensively. So my numbers actually tell me that our defense could get better, but I'm concerned on whether that our offense. And in fact, I'm not sort of concerned. I'm, I'm really concerned. Okay, so we'll put that in the record book. We can all look back at me and and uh, say, "Lock, you have no idea what you're talking about." And, but I think that's that's kind of one of the things I wanted to take a check on today. Um, of I don't, you know, let's see. And we play the Clippers tonight, and then we have a run of not particularly good teams, so maybe the offense gets set there and we don't notice it for a while. Uh, but but that's, let's keep an eye on it. You know, we're not, we're 2-1, and one, we should be 3-0. and oh. I'm pretty excited about where we are. The buy-in, the thing that's most impressive to me is the buy-in that Quinn's getting right now. 
if you think, and I'll talk about this a lot, but if you think about the fact that every single team, and actually, let me phrase it this way, every single player that's in this league got in this league because they could score somewhere along the way. And then you're going to go and tell these players, hey, by the way, if you're going to play on our team, what what we're going to need you to do is we're going to need you to go defend. Well, that's not an easy sell. And that's what's most impressive to me about what's going on with this team right now is the buy-in that Q's gotten so far. Because, and it just, you know, actually, one person said to me, we used to have really good guys. Now we have great guys. And I, I think that's probably true. You've got these guys really buying in to what they're doing and the way they're playing. Today's show is also brought to you by The Advocates. I went and uh, met with the, uh, the the guys over. Actually, I met with, uh, sorry, I just got a text message. Totally distracted me. I went over and met with Matt. I have this great system that my text messages come to my computer, which is nice and all unless you're recording a show, and then it totally distracts you. Um, So I went over and met uh, with Matt over the advocates to kind of understand who they are and what they do. They're injury attorneys. Um, And the first message he kind of said is, like, injury attorneys have such a bad stigma to it. But let's get over that. That's that's kind of silly, right? Like, if you get in a car accident and you have either damage or injury and you need something, you, you need someone to help you out. So that's what they're there for. Why do you? Why would you use the advocates? Well, okay, there's really three things you want at that point. You want someone, first off, to get you good results. Two, to make sure nothing bad happens to you, so lose your job, medical bills that bury you, whatever. And then three is, you know, treat you decently. I actually probably could care less. I was joking with Matt. I could care less about the third. I frankly, if I'm hiring an attorney, it's kind of the way I still feel about a real estate agent. Like, I don't need to be your friend. Just get, get the job done. So how do they get the job done? They have figured out that accidents are different, but the process is the same. And there's an efficiency to the process. And there's a bunch of steps in the process. In fact, not just a few steps, but 106 of them. And over 25 years, they have built a efficient mechanism by which they go through those 106 steps and they get better at it all the time so that they get you those results and so that they make sure nothing bad happens to you. And they do treat you well along the way. You get a lawyer that talks to you within 24 hours. They they pride themselves on a good customer experience. Service experience, I'm the one who said, like, I don't care about that. Just give me the results. I just want you to be efficient. I just want you to get what you need to get done. And the fact is that less than 1% of these trials cases go to trial. 3% go to arbitration. Like, these are all – there's a process to this. You, you go get the medical records. You get the insurance information. You get this. You get, and they have experts working on every single thing. It goes into the system. It works with them. And the efficiency is fabulous, and the results are even better. It's Utah Advocates. You can check them out online if you want to, and hopefully – you don't need them right now because nothing's bad happened. But if something does, then the advocates are your answer. Go to utahadvocates.com so that you know where to go in case that happens and have them help you out uh, in the future. It's a fabulously efficient system that Matt has built, and it's what separates them.
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, so I love the Clippers. We play the Clippers tonight, and I love the Clippers. And here's generally why. Now, the first part of this debate is how much do teammates matter? And I've always been one who actually believes they don't matter that much. The uh, and, and it's contrary. Igor Kokoshkov and I went to breakfast today, or coffee as we always do, and we argued about it this morning. The Here's what I love about the Clippers. They have an incredibly high efficiency, two incredibly high efficiency players. And Danilo Gallinari and DeAndre Jordan. Okay? Gallo's one of the most efficient, best offensive players in the league. Doesn't get respected that way. His pack is two. Means that in the 17 scoring opportunities he uses a night, uh, he's two points above league average, which is really, really high. DeAndre's 2.3, and Blake's good. Okay? Then you add Lou Williams, who's another one of the most efficient offensive players in the league. So now I've got four of the most efficient offensive players in the league. And then the next part about this roster is they have almost nobody who's negative. Austin Rivers is basically average. He's a little negative. Wesley Johnson is way negative, but he barely plays. And I actually had him down as not playing this year, and he seems to be playing a little bit more than I thought, which hurts them. Monstrell Harrell comes off their bench, barely plays. He's very efficient. Sam Decker's average. Patrick Beverly's average. Willie Reed is average. And Teodosic is probably going to be average. Okay? So all of a sudden... You put the Clippers together, and I've got the third-best offensive team in the Western Conference. I love the way they're built. It's a great model for all of us to follow. Is that If you can get some high-efficiency players and then surround them with average players, you're in pretty good shape. The Jazz, unfortunately, are the opposite. We've got Rudy, who's incredibly efficient. Joe Ingles, and then every other player on our roster uses possessions, last year at least, below the league average. Now we're hopefully seeing a little bit of a different Derek Favors, and we'll see if Rodney can go to line more than 6.5% of his possessions and and see if, if some other guys can, can get some more efficiency to them. And hopefully we get a little bit better offensively, but that's we don't, we don't have that same <coughs> phenomenon taking place. And that's where the Clippers really do. And it's, it's awfully impressive. Uh, 
what they've been what the, what they've built, and I think they're really good. Somebody's going to be the fourth seed in the Western Conference, and it's not going to be Oklahoma City. The Clippers are probably my most likely choice. I I, I really like what they've built, the efficiency across the board, the use of possessions. When you don't have negative possessions, you're really hard to beat. Negative possessions are a killer. And if you don't have negative possessions, you're really hard to beat. Oklahoma City is the opposite. Oklahoma City is just loaded with negative possessions. The Thunder, well, Carmelo is the biggest part of it. But Carmelo, Andre Robertson's in negative possession. Carmelo's in negative possession. Raymond Felton's in negative possession. Patrick Patterson's average. But Carmelo's really a problem. Even at just 17 scoring opportunities tonight, taking him way down, having Russ use 26, Patrick, Paul George at 21, Carmelo at 17, it hurts them. Particularly because Russ is not efficient. So you go combine Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, you're using half your possessions below the league average. The Clippers, no big names like that. Almost all their possessions, other than Wesley Johnson, are above league average. We'll see what happens with Austin Rivers as he uses more possessions. But he's gotten pretty good. So that's why I really, really, really like the Clippers. That's today's show. We'll see how the Jazz can do against Clippers. Tip-off tonight's late. I think it's 8.30 your time, so on the floor at 7.30 with Ron Boone on Facebook Live. Postcast will be after that. We'll head to Phoenix. We'll play Phoenix the next day, and uh, we'll see what goes on. I was going to talk a little Ben Simmons and Memphis and things like that, but i got to actually get this posted and up and ready to roll uh, to get to practice. So this is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks to Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street and the Utah Advocates. Hopefully you don't need it, but if you do, in case of a car accident, need somebody to make sure that you get your results and help you out, go to the Advocates, the UtahAdvocates.com. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter, so it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.